Welcome, welcome, welcome to another 99th episode. When I was his age, I think we might have had like a really crappy old Apple computer. Yeah, it's a very different world. So Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. It's the day after Christmas for us here in recording time. For you out there in listening time, it is probably uh, sometime in 2022. So yeah. March, you know, April, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is our typical delayed recording schedule. We record well in advance, so that's how you can understand your peek behind the curtain there. Yeah. We got yeah. big boy lives. I'm a bit in the post-Christmas hangover. Not hangover because I got, like, super drunk last night, but just in the hangover of, oh, man, it's all done. That's that's what happens when your wife fills your stocking with little bottles of nips, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> what she expect. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to show your appreciation and drink them all. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 37 little tiny bottles later. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, luckily, I avoided that this year. Yeah, my son is definitely experiencing major Christmas hangover. Uh, he was dragging this morning, getting out of bed. I actually pulled him out of bed just so I could get set up to do this. So Now he's downstairs watching YouTube videos instead of playing with all the fancy toys we got him. Oh, man. <laughs> that's, <laughs> I guess, maybe that's typical for kids. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I always loved the day after Christmas because it was a day to actually just play with all the toys on my own timeline where I didn't have to go over to any relative's house to go have dinner or do this and that with family. It was just this exciting time where I felt like I had the day to just do whatever I wanted with all my cool new stuff and play with it as I saw fit. That was always, to me, a really fun day. Yeah, yeah, we actually we make a point of staying home on Christmas so that way it can be just kind of more relaxing and enjoyable even for us. But so that way, you know, Sammy too can just settle in and enjoy his things um and get to explore. We got him so we got him two video games. And one is um Minecraft Dungeons. They released a uh a deluxe edition that has all the DLC and we already had it for my PlayStation because I got it there so we could play together before easier. Um, but I got this for his Switch so we could still play it together if we wanted to, but he could also play it on his own. So we got that. But the other one that we got him for the Switch is pretty cool. It's called uh, the Game Builder Garage. And you actually get to make games on it. And it's really cool to me that he's so drawn to games like that. Like, he loves that. He loves Minecraft where he builds stuff. And he loves... Um, Super Mario Maker 2, um, where he, you build Mario levels. And it's, it, like it, it was pretty cool to me when I stopped and thought about it that he just really is compelled to play these games where he's learning how to build things and create things rather than just playing a story, you know? Yeah, that is cool. It's more of a producer than just purely consumption. It's, a, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I always like making things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why why you're an engineer, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I've always been, and that's why I do podcasts and crap like that because I like making things and producing <laughs> things. It's just a part of what I've always liked to do. It's like why I like building models and stuff like that. 
yeah. doing drawings because it's making something. And I just always really like making stuff. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I've enjoyed, uh, now that we like have a house and I have a garage and can accumulate tools and stuff, building stuff with wood um, and doing stuff like that. Like I loved Legos as a kid and all the other stuff. And I'm trying to become an engineer myself right now, too, so I can actually have a job out of engineering, uh, out of making stuff. But uh, a, a nice little segue here for something that you probably want to talk about. One of yeah. the things my wife got me for Christmas was these little action figure stands. And I had to put these suckers together. And, of course, they're, like, you know, cheap Japanese things from, you know, purchased on Amazon. So there's, like, literally no directions. It was interesting. Oh, I thought you were going to say they're cheap Japanese things from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, like, it's funny because that she, she bought five of, like, a five-pack of them. One of them came in a package that had, like, the package art and stuff like that, you know? Uh-huh. Um, the other ones were just, like, the random pieces thrown in there, basically. So I just thought it was really funny that it's like, we're not going to waste the packaging on all five of these. We'll put one in the packaging, and the rest are just going to be loose. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was, uh, it, like, figuring out how to put them together. And it's not that they were the most complex thing, but they were very little, and I was very tired. And first I dropped a little tiny, like, you have to put them together with these tiny nuts and screws. And I dropped one. I was like, oh, I'll find it in a minute. And I'm putting it together. My wife comes in to ask me to do something. And this is, like, I don't know, uh, 9, 9.30, something like that. So, like, I'm tired. And the thing just pops out of my hand and shit goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like, damn it. And uh, I was like, that wasn't your fault. <laughs> but <laughs> I just dropped those all over the place. I ended up getting them all put together, but uh, they're cool. Um, so now I can stand up my action figures without them falling over. And that just got me thinking, you just got some really cool action figures, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. But so... If I understand right, I want to, before I dig into the action of, of what I just got. So these are stands that they have like a post in the back and a clip that goes around the waist of the figure. Is yeah. that right? Yep. Yeah. I've always wanted some of those because what's really great about those is they're not just the stands that have pegs for the feet to sit on. You can do some really dynamic poses that way. Like, you could have Snake Eyes doing a jump kick in the air or something like that. Or really cool action poses where they're off balance as if they were in the middle of some sort of action exciting thing they're doing without it falling over. Which I uh, always thought would be a really, really cool thing to do. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get the link from her and send it to you. But yeah, these, I mean, they're they're fairly cheaply made but it's one of those things where it's like they're cheaply made but you know that they know how to make them you know so it's like it doesn't matter that they're they're fairly cheap like it's the the plastic where it's like you have to kind of like when you buy a model kit or something like that and the plastic is on like the the plastic like kind of rails and stuff like that so it's all kept together mm-hmm. so you're breaking these little plastic pieces off and then using the the nuts and the screws to put them together um, and then they're pretty adjustable. Like these ones wouldn't be strong enough to do something like you're saying with like having holding the figure in air because it would just drift down basically. Oh, okay, um, uh-huh. But there, you can you can tighten them. I just don't think they would tighten well enough because of the the quality of the materials. But you can definitely do anything where they're still like supported on the ground. Also, so like when I was putting them together, I just I grabbed my two GI Joe figures that I have because I have a Snake Eyes and Cobra Commander. And just use it to hold those up. One thing that's nice, is, well, like you said, the, the the peg and the feet thing. 
I got some of those kind of stands because I have three different of the NECA Ninja Turtle figures. And one of them is Krang in his like exoskeleton suit that's really big. And even using two of those foot peg stands, it doesn't stay up. Like it just falls off the pegs. So like those are are not the best option for anything. And these clip things are probably too small to be able to handle that figure anyways, unless I rigged up like a couple of them. So I'll continue to just lean him against books. But um, yeah, like the, the foot pegs kind of suck. So it's nice to have, you know, have that versatility. It's like Snake Eyes, uh, I was able to go like right around his waist uh, with the clip, but then Cobra Commander has the cape on. So I had to adjust a little bit more, but there's so much flexibility with it, um, with being able to adjust the height and everything and adjust like the arms that clip on. They're pretty cool. So I'll send you a link. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So I got a big box of action figures this week. It was like Christmas come early because I got my action force action figures. This is probably a line that people don't really know about unless they're fairly deep into the G.I. Joe collecting community because it's its own little indie toy line. Uh, and it was it's made by this guy who used to work for Hasbro. I guess years ago he, he worked at Hasbro and he is a huge G.I. Joe fan. And he lost his job at Hasbro some time ago and he decided, well, at the time, he didn't think that Hasbro was ever going to actually get around to doing a six-inch G.I. Joe line. So he essentially said, well, I'll do my own. <laughs> and that's how he started Action Force. And it is fairly similar to G.I. Joe in that it's like <clears throat> military-themed action team. There's the bad guys and that are all a little weird and uh, so I got the entire first wave, and it's uh, it's awesome. They're really, really great figures. See, I'm trying to think about where, where to start with, with talking about these. Yeah, so um, I, I, I can try to give you some prompts here. So yeah. first of all, like you said, if, uh, if people don't know what G.I. Joes are, they wouldn't know. So yeah. you, you tweeted about them, and you said, uh, I'm actually trying to find the, t- the tweets I can look at the pictures, too. You tweet a lot. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you tweeted, it's time for Action Force. I said, what's Action Force? Or I said, what's that? And you said, it's, it's Action, Action Force. Force. I'm like, uh, yeah. So I, I didn't answer your question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm like, yeah. okay. I, I figured we'd talk about it today. So uh-huh. you just told me something I did not know. So these are, are figures made from somebody who wanted six-inch G.I. Joes and didn't think they would exist. So how did that start? These were a Kickstarter years ago. I guess this guy, he used to work at Hasbro, and then he lost his job at Hasbro. He was working on, I think, Marvel Legends and stuff like that. So he would work on several different things there, and he actually worked on creating the action figures. So he knew a lot about action figure design, how to get them made, how to get them prototyped, how to develop them, and all that. So he was able to leverage that in starting this line. Uh, I first heard about it a long time ago when I guess there was a a failed Kickstarter Mm -hmm. that it didn't quite reach its backing goal. And I missed out on that one. So I was actually kind of happy to hear that it had failed. (laughs) And 
because I I heard about this in uh, an interview on a, a GI Joe podcast. The the guy, his name's Bobby Vala. He just was talking about his Kickstarter that he was going to do and ideas for how he could make the second round successful. And I guess he applied all that because this, the second round of his Kickstarter, when he tried it again, it blew way past its funding goals. I, I look back at it. It was over two years ago that I backed this Kickstarter. So I got in on the second Kickstarter and the second Kickstarter was much more successful because it met its funding goals and went quite a ways past that and unlocked some extra figures and stuff like that. So from that, we learn that meeting your goals makes you successful. Good to know. Yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> in Kickstarter, absolutely. That's literally how it works. Is <laughs> You meet your goal to be successful. And... um one of the interesting things about this line is that it takes a lot from G.I. Joe. So, for example, the name Action Force. Action Force actually is the name that G.I. Joe was sold as in Great Britain. It's instead of, you know, a real American hero, they're not going to send <laughs> a, a real American hero in England. So... Uh, G.I. Joe became Action Force over there. And this is one of those trademark versus copyright things that I think a lot of old Valiant fans will will have learned from or Captain Marvel fans will understand how you have to separate the titles of things from the what they are when it comes to trademarks and copyrights. But he noticed that well, Hasbro let their trademark lapse on a lot of these things like Action Force. And another one that he noticed that the trademark had lapsed on was Steel Brigade, which Steel Brigade was an action figure. It was a mail-away G.I. Joe action figure, and it was this you-can-be-part-of-G.I. Joe action figure where the kid would fill out this form, send it in with their two ninety nine and three flag points or whatever, and then Hasbro would send a by mail the Steel Brigade action figure, and it would have this custom printed dossier with all the stuff you filled out in terms of specialties and background and stuff like that. And it, um, it, some of those versions of those figures are really highly um, sought after and collectible in the old vintage G.I. Joe collecting market. But this guy was able to get that trademark because Hasbro just let it lapse. And so he created his own Steel Brigade figure as part of this lineup of his first wave of action figures. So the name is borrowed from G.I. Joe. One of the figures is straight out of gi joe it's 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 just different enough to not get sued for copyright but while still using the trademark for for it but it's quite similar to the old classic steel brigade figure so we're just right there already it has a lot of origins in um in gi joe 
And the first wave was like the hero of the group. His name is Condor. He's kind of a Duke figure. He's the, seems like the good old boy, efficient military guy. And um, then it had also the Steel Brigade. And then the there's like two different groups of bad guys. And one is led by this weird guy who wears like an old medieval helmet and a, a vest of a fur lined vest and it has a big axe. So he kind of looks like he's straight out of a medieval fantasy movie, but he's one <laughs> of the leaders of the, the bad guys in the group. And then there's this bone collector guy who's like firefly from GI Joe. He's the independent operator, but his helmet instead of a helmet is this mask that is a gigantic bone skull and he's actually i think my favorite figure of the line and then there's another group of bad guys called the swarm and the swarm figure that they released it's like a insect themed paramilitary organization is what they are but one of the coolest things that he did in this for this first wave of figures is he realized that so you know sergeant slaughter right the wrestler yeah. mm-hmm. and sergeant slaughter also was a part of the gi joe team because back in the 80s hasbro said well they made a deal with sergeant slaughter to become part of the gi joe team yeah yeah i didn't actually know that until like a few years ago i thought that was pretty cool yeah and so all of a sudden there was this real life spokesperson at, but Hasbro hasn't done anything with Sergeant Slaughter in years. And that old contract to make him be like a licensed part of GI Joe expired. Cause I think essentially the way it worked is Sergeant Slaughter, the person licensed out his likeness and his his i guess he licensed himself out to become yeah. a, a figure basically yeah which also shows that he owned that character not wwf at the time wwe um you know there's a lot of like nowadays in wwe a lot of the times if they get wrestlers that have their own persona they'll make him change their name and stuff because they want to own it all um and uh you know like Obviously, Sergeant Slaughter owed, you know, owned his character, so he's able to do this kind of stuff, which is cool to see. Yeah, definitely. He he does, and he he owns that persona. Probably, I'm guessing, because this is from the 80s WWF, be back when it wasn't WWF just an, an amalgamation of a bunch of different regional wrestling outfits. No, that was NWA. NWA, well, so NWA was like the the organization where all these different regional work together. WWF started front, they were their own small territory and they just started buying everybody out basically and growing. Um, But it did start, they were, they were a New York territory and they basically, they expanded. So like um, Vince McMahon, who owns it now, he's Vince McMahon Jr. His dad, Vince McMahon Sr., Started it, started doing that, acquiring other, uh, you know, promotions and and merging them in, Um, starting to go after TV rights, because that that was really what changed the world of wrestling is as TV grew and changed. But if you go back to the 80s WWF, they had more in common with what it was like back then where different um, promotions like 
they wanted wrestlers to kind of come and go because to keep it fresh, like you couldn't just keep somebody there. That's part of the problem with like WWE nowadays is you get tired of the wrestlers because you always see them and they oversaturate everything with them. You know, it's like they have to have, you know, Roman Reigns on every show all the time, stuff like that. Um, so back then you'd have people come and go. And if you watch old WWF stuff, you see that where guys will come in for a while, then they'll go out for a while. Um, and you know, guys would go back and forth between like WWF and, um, NWA, which would become WCW. Um, and it, yeah, so it was very different. Um, and so back then you had a lot of guys coming in with their gimmicks that they already had. So it wasn't WWF gave them this gimmick. Um, I mean, you have a guy like, uh, you probably know the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, right? Uh, yeah, of course. So mm-hmm. Ted DiBiase, like that's his name. Like he, he used that name and I, I believe that's just his real name too, but like, that's his name. WWF doesn't own that, but the million dollar man gimmick was given to him by uh, WWF. Now I don't know if it's, um, cause I mean, he's still, I don't know. Like if he does like events or stuff like that, like he can still kind of get away with using the, the gimmick, but there's ways around that, like being like formerly known as the million dollar you know whatever stuff like that Sure, uh-huh. yeah so sergeant slaughter to be able to do stuff like this like clearly and you know back when this was like he was probably sergeant slaughter outside of wwf and so when he came in and was sergeant slaughter there it's not like they owned the property rights to that that was his yeah so getting back to the action force the guy that made this toy line realized well hasbro's not doing anything with Sergeant Slaughter, and he hasn't licensed out himself to any other toy lines, so why don't I ask? <laughs> and he did. He just called up Sergeant Slaughter's pr- promoter or sent an email like, hey, I have this an idea. Are you willing to entertain it? And then they talked about it. They figured it out, and he made a new Sergeant Slaughter action figure for this line. So that's maybe one of the highlights of this first wave. Yeah, it looks really good, too. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, and it's it's an update on the Sergeant Slaughter figure, so he looks a little older. He doesn't look as young as he did, which makes sense, because Sergeant Slaughter now is, is an older guy. And so, in my mind, this Sergeant Slaughter is the same Sergeant Slaughter as from G.I. Joe, but just... Now it's 20 years later or something like that. And um, he has to like drill these young new whippersnappers into shape to deal with the new threat, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And that's, I think, part of what has been uh, fun for me in this line is I've been kind of thinking about how this line is obviously made to fit in with G.I. Joe. It's the same scale almost the same articulation, similar look, uh, that kind of military adventure style to everything has the kind of a little bit of the weirdness that G.I. Joe has with some of the villains and the swarm being a weird, they're weird insect based, uh, threat rather than a weird snake based threat you know but it's kind of the same idea like we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna pick a animal and base our entire terrorist organization off of this animal <laughs> it's kind of you know similar to what cobra did but what's been fun is i've been thinking about in my mind how 
the story of G.I. Joe and the story of Action Force can exist in the same timeline and be part of the same thing. And the way I've been thinking about it is in my mind, like, so Action Force, it has this backstory. And the backstory is kind of like about collapse of government and due to internal strife and civil unrest in the United States. Uh, kind of like a, a new civil war, which is kind of uh, timely if you listen to some of the nutbag extremists out there. But it's this idea that the United States would collapse on itself and then kind of turn into these regional states that are just struggling for survival. And then they really become this, they rely on authoritarianism to try to keep the peace and keep everything running. And then there's this organization called the swarm that swoops in and offers their services as like a a peacekeeping force to take advantage of the situation and to grow their power. So it, it kind of, in my mind, I think about it where GI Joe versus Cobra would be happening today, you know, with uh, like in the present time and Cobra is this terrorist organization that has all these plots and stuff and GI Joe is trying to stop them. But maybe action force is a case of Cobra actually being successful and working to orchestrate this breakup of the United States. And then 10 or 20 years in the future, that's where action force is dealing with the aftermath of this and trying to keep peace and uh, kind of fight against the people that secretly orchestrated all this stuff. And so in my mind, the swarm kind of grew out of Cobra. And so it's this kind of cool, in my mind, it's a generational thing. Like G.I. Joe is the current generation and Action Force is the next generation after that. And part of what I've wanted to do is take some of my favorite G.I. Joe characters and make older versions of them as custom versions as Action Force. Just to kind of play with that idea that, you know, some of the G.I. Joe team survived and now there are these elder statesmen of Action Force, kind of like Sergeant Slaughter already, he already fits into that line perfectly in that role. So I've been just kind of having a lot of fun with these figures. Then you'll start doing the fan fiction, and then, mm-hmm. you know, with, with your focus on the cod pieces, eventually turn into, like, Fifty Shades of Grey type of fan you know, fiction. you got a whole just world in front of you here. Oh, yeah. I, a whole <laughs> world of cod pieces, yes. <laughs> yeah. They'll keep getting bigger and bigger, more colorful. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm looking at the website and seeing some of the stuff they have. Like, I like some of um, the ways they approach this stuff, too. So, like, I'm looking at the, the weapons accessory packs. Have you purchased any of those? Yeah. So I purchased everything in Wave 1. That's the that's all that's available so far. Mm-hmm. So on the website, I think it'll list if it's Wave 1 or Wave 2. Yeah, on it there. does. Yeah. And so it's all anything- sold out. Well, uh, well, that's I think because the website hasn't gone live actually. Because he's he actually they sent out an order. It actually all goes for sale sometime this week. Oh, okay. It yeah. It's just that 
nothing was going to go live on the website until he had fulfilled all of the orders from the Kickstarter. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so... So, uh, this the weapon accessory pack, like, it shows the guns up on, like, a pegboard with hooks and stuff like that. Does the display come with it? No, it doesn't. That's it's just a pack of the guns. It it should totally come with that display. I was I like I saw that I was like that is actually really cool. One of the one of the qualms I have like it's cool to get action figures with a ton of accessories, but like what good are they if you can't use them with the figure? Like if you have too many accessories, it's like it just it's like I just throw all that crap in a drawer basically. So uh-huh. seeing this be like that'd actually be really awesome to be able to have like to display with your figures have the you know the racks of the weapons and stuff like that so that way you're actually able to use all of these minute details that they give you instead of like picking your favorite one and tossing the rest aside you know um Mm. so that's that's too bad it 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 would be really cool if they included that in or if they just started selling that separately even because that's a really cool little display thing I noticed that they have um, so like we talked about this with uh, GI Joe figures that they have the like the Cobra Troopers or whatever that um, they're just generic troopers so you kind of want more of those and mm-hmm. I noticed that with these they cost like ten bucks less than the the like character figures if you will yeah so they have these generic yeah they're just there's one that's just all blue one that's all black one that's like gray camouflage yeah and that's really nice and uh, i I got one of all of those too and they also sell accessory packs like that have vests and helmets and ammo pouches and stuff like that so that you can mix and match all these figures and they're all like they can all be taken apart like I have one nearly completely disassembled right now just because I wanted to see how they come apart. You can take the arms off. You can take the legs off. You can take them off, like, the boots off at the shin. You can take the torso off from, like, the waist. So you can mix and match and, get like, put the boots from one figure on the legs of another figure and then mix the top half with the bottom half of another figure and mix around the accessories from figure to figure uh, really easily. So in that way, it's really a great line for customization, which is something that I like to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to have a a lot of fun with that, making my own new figures from this. And there's uh, some stores online that will sell custom molded stuff for action figures, like just like custom parts for action figures. And I've been slowly stockpiling when I see like a cool head for a figure that is just some, somebody sculpted this head and now they're selling it. I'll buy it just so that I have a couple extra heads in reserve. And now I've got a a bucket of like four or five extra heads that I can use and mix and match on these to actually make them more of like uh, distinct personality character than just a nondescript, uh, you know, generic trooper. Yeah, that's that's really cool. You know, it's it's cool to hear you talk about this and see some of these details and stuff too. Because as much, I mean, we just talked about how we both like to create stuff. This is an example of something that I'm like, I want a finished product that's like concise. I I don't want all the in between. Like that's something I like to enjoy. Like I buy the figure, the figure is is it. You know. Um, 
so the thought of like, ooh, I could do this and that and take these pieces apart, like, I, that stresses me out. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> but to see you do it, like I was looking through your Twitter some and seeing some of the pictures I hadn't seen um, of some of the the different figures, and it looks like you're working on some modifications on some and stuff like that. That like it's cool to see that. Like it, that's that's like uh, seeing somebody else's like artistry with something. It's, I mean, it's sort of like seeing the you know somebody doing a drawing in process. Like it's great to see an end piece, but to see somebody working on something, and like something like with his action figures, like it's like, oh no, you're breaking it. But then oh look, you you made it work. You know, it's like it's uh, it's cool. It's very cool to see that. So I enjoy that. Not something that I'll be doing uh, anytime ever, but. Um, it's, it's really funny cause my son has, since he was little, like, he, um, he would always take everything as apart as he could. Like he would take his Lego minifigs, pop the arms off, pop the hands out, pop, like pop everything apart. And like, I'd always tell him like, look, you could do, you know, when he was little, it was kind of like just trying to manage it, but it's like, you can do that, but like, you're going to lose pieces. You're going to break stuff, like whatever, as long as you're okay with that, that's okay. Didn't suit my personality as a kid or as an adult, but like he's always done that and mixed and matched, and he's kind of cooled off with Legos uh, a bit. Um, but he's like he's always enjoyed putting the set together, but then pretty much instantly, all he wants to do is start doing whatever the heck he feels like with it, and you know, taking stuff apart and like you know, we build like a Minecraft set that'll probably be destroyed in within a relatively short period of time because as he's playing, he's playing it out and things get broken and stuff like that. You know, it's just part of him playing. Um, but he'll take that down to the minutest details of the figures, and I don't know. It's cool to see. It's cool to see that, and see also how it's like he may be my son, but he also has very different um, ways that he engages with stuff than I do. Hmm. Yeah, that's got to be fun to to see how all that develops and stuff. Yeah, I'm like, no, you you follow the book and build the set. Okay, now do whatever you want. But like yeah. while we're while we're following the book, you follow the damn steps, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it took me a while to get over that hurdle because in a lot of ways I think I am like you where I want the complete action figure. When I get an action figure, I have a little plastic bag that is the designated plastic storage bag for this figure so when I'm not out using him when he's in storage, Everything goes in this plastic bag. All the accessories go in that one bag. So I make sure I keep all the accessories with the figure at all times so I don't ever lose the accessories. So I I'm maybe like a mix of of you and your son. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes or maybe it's I I have like two tracks. One track is I'm very anal about keeping my figures complete and perfect with everything and untouched and unblemished. But then I have another lump of figures that these are my ones to mess around and play with and to do whatever I want with and try to mix and match and create custom figures with and stuff like that. Yeah, I get that too. Um, like if I if I take a figure out of the package, usually, like I said, all those extra pieces, I don't keep them all concisely together. I toss them all in a drawer. I honestly don't remember what goes to what with a lot of it. So I let go of it's like if I'm gonna take them out of the package, I let go of that. Um, and the the figures I've modestly started collecting are AEW wrestling action figures. Um, so I have I don't know um, like 
eight or ten of those now. And when I was first getting them, I was like, okay, what do I do? Do I keep them in the package or do I take them out? And my cousin, who is a huge wrestling fan and kind of the person who got me back into it uh, over the years, was like, take them out. I'm like, okay, I'll just do that. Um, but yeah, I just, I kind of mix, mix and match them. And some of the figures, like if, if the figure, cause the figures they make, one thing that's kind of cool is they're actually based on gear that they wore at a specific, uh, episode of a, of the, the dynamite TV show or at a specific pay-per-view. So it's not just like, you know, random, you can't pin this to anything. Like there was a specific time they were that with their gear mm. and everything. Um, so if they were a champion and it's based on when they were a champion, they have the championship belt. So I have the action figure of Hikaru Shida when she was champion. So she had the belt. When I got the Britt Baker action figure, um, she wasn't champion. So she didn't have the belt, but I, she's champion now. So I put the belt onto her figure. Um, and same thing with, I had, uh, one of the figures I got, I think it was, um, Kenny Omega. He was champion when the figure I got of him came out. And now somebody else is, so I can move the belt over to that person. So it's like I can move stuff around, kind of mix and match that way. And I'm actually kind of looking forward to now that my wife got me those action figure stands of, like, having some of them, like, up on a shelf or whatever, uh, but then having a few of them, like, you know, on my desk or something like that and being able to pose them differently. So I'm uh, I'm branch, I, you know, and this is also, like, this is the first time I've accumulated more than just a couple of figures, too. Like, I haven't really... Mm collected figures i mean i like i said i only have like eight or ten of them and this is by far the most extensively i've had a collection of anything in a very long time for you know toy wise it sounds like you need a wrestling ring yeah i'm actually kind of surprised i didn't get one for christmas my wife asked me and i was like yeah that'd be cool and um i think that uh the, that was one of the things that just like was never in st- it was always in stock for the longest time and then there's certain toys that just like have never been in stock for the last couple of months um, and I think that might be part of it but I'm probably gonna keep my eye out for that um, yeah 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 that would be a really cool display having a wrestling ring with all those figures in it and these are the figures that are like they're pretty highly articulated. They're about is it like seven inch tall figures? Is they're that the, right? they're the equivalent of like the GI Joe figures. Like pretty, okay, yeah, that's same what I height, thought. same articulation, pretty much. Maybe a little bit different. They'll even have multiple like um, different like heads or hands or stuff like that, kind of depending on on the the wrestler. Um, like uh, Kenny Omega, for example, um, he has a pose that he does. Uh, for one of his moves called the V trigger where he does it and he uses one of his hands. Like, uh, you would, you know, like if you're making a gun, you know, you put it out like a gun and then he goes and knees your head off. But so <laughs> just, it comes really with a funny. hand. Just, <laughs> so yeah. he, he, he puts his hand out like it's a gun, like a play gun, like bang, yeah. bang, bang. And then he knees you in the head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's think, That's- um, think like uh like anime type of stuff you know like he he wrestled uh, a long time in japan um so he has like a lot of that and plus like a lot of wrestlers are also very uh tied in with video game stuff so like they get a lot of influence from stuff like that i'll have to send you a clip uh, after we record so you can see what i'm talking about it makes more sense when you see it but you know like uh, i mean everybody knows that wrestlers like when they're going to do one of their big moves they'll do like some kind of gesture or pose to indicate they're going to do it and then they'll do it 
So, like, he does his pose, and then it's a running knee that he does. So, you, you know, like, the wrestler will be, like, getting up from whatever, and then he runs and hits him with a knee to the head. So, gotcha. uh, one of his hands is in that pose. So, you can pose his figure like he's going to do the V-trigger, and it's a really cool pose. So, like, it's perfect to be able to do that with the, the wrestling action figures. And they definitely, like, when you can get them in a position and, like, make them look like they're doing one of their poses, like, it looks the best. It's a lot better than just having them stand there, you know? So, with these stands, I want to play around with that more, too. Um, like, one of my favorite wrestlers in AEW, uh, and what inspired me to start getting the figures is um, he's part of a tag team called the Lucha Brothers, and he's a Penta L Zero M, and uh, he he does this. Uh, you know, they're they're Mexican, so like it's it's Spanish and stuff. But it's Zero uh, Miedo, no fear. So he does his hand like you're doing like a zero, like uh, kind of like the OK symbol where you got the three fingers up. And he does you know Zero, and then he turns it over. So then those three fingers are an M for Miedo, and mm. pushes it in the guy's face. Um, so it's a good pose, and like his figure's awesome looking too. Like I'll have to send you a picture of that also. He he's oh man, Lucha stuff is super cool. Like he has his face fully painted, and he wears a mask over it. So it's like two layers of intricate detail. Um, so it makes for a really awesome figure. Yeah. So, anyways, he's he's one of my favorites, and I also love it because George Kittle, who is my favorite football player right now, he's the 49ers tight end. He's friends with Penta. And his, like, celebration move when he gets a first down or whatever is, like, a quick version of doing that Cerro Miedo. Yeah, so anyways, uh, action figures are awesome. Yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward today. Today's, like, my the first day that I can really play with these Action Force figures a lot and really kind of mess with them, maybe take some, try to set them up in cool poses, take some cool pictures or something like that, because they all arrived two days before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I think I got them on, it was either the 22nd or the 23rd. So all I really had time for was, well, I can open them up and put the weapons in their hand and stand them up on my desk and snap a picture and post it to Twitter. That's all the time I've really had because then it was Christmas Eve. We were getting ready for that. Then it's Christmas day and I was busy with that. So today I got no work. And even tomorrow, I got no work. I've got two days off to just really dig into these figures and, and have a lot of fun with them and see what I can do with them, try mixing and matching stuff. I'll probably paint up some of these custom heads that I've got, put some primer on them to get them ready to, to paint up. I, I already have one idea of a character that I want to make because I got one custom head of... Uh, it's a, a, a male head wearing a baseball cap. Mm-hmm. And so I want to paint it into an Oakland A's baseball cap and make him Oaktown. <laughs> the, <laughs> so like that's, that's one thing that I already know that I'm going to be working on. And I've been thinking, all right, how can I make a really accurate A's logo at that scale and that'll be the trickiest part i think but yeah and you already got a great backstory because he's so angry and surly because he's an a's fan and that just sucks <laughs> <laughs> it's, he's he's just used to losing is all 
Yeah, it's you. You don't become a a fan of Oakland sports teams if you like winning. <laughs> That's yeah. what I always say. It's <laughs> sports are so funny that way. Like you know, um, my my dad was always like a local team fan, so he's like he's he's a Lakers fan and a Dodgers fan, and then with football because teams have kind of come and gone some. Uh, he'll kind of root for whoever's local, and then like he's kind of a Rams fan from back when they were in L.A. Um, and now they're in L.A. again, so it works out. Uh, so like you know when the 49ers were struggling, he'd be like, "Oh, aren't you rooting for the Chargers or whatever?" You know, I'd be like, "No, why? Like why? Just because they're the closest next team? Like I don't care." But so like th- that's one dynamic that's funny. But then like uh, being a fan of a team, so I'm a Lakers fan. The Lakers uh, have five probable future hall of famers and probably like three or four of those guys are, are first ballot locks but probably five guys that are going to be in the, in the hall of fame they are no fun to watch this year because when you have that much high-end talent and the majority of them are past their prime it's it's the the only positive outcome is winning that's not fun like it's much more fun to be they're up and comers and you know, you could be excited even while struggling or while losing. Um, mm-hmm. so I was, uh, somebody on Twitter that I'm, 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 you know, Twitter friends with was posting about a game where they were playing the, the Pistons. And I didn't realize at first that they were Pistons fans until I looked at their profile and realized that that's why they were particularly heated about it. But the Pistons had a big lead, and the Lakers came back and won it. And I was like, the Pistons blew that game. He's like, what do you mean they blew it? The Lakers have five future Hall of Famers and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't care. If you have a 20-point lead and you lose, you blew it. I don't care how how much more talent the other team has or whatever. You still blew it. So then, you know, of course, like, he was taking the approach, and nothing wrong with this either, that, uh, you know... He basically was pointing out the flaws with the Lakers. I'm like, yeah, I like, I'm not enjoying the Lakers this year. They're either going to win a championship or they're not. I'm not going to like put that much, uh, you know, passion into their games because there's nothing to be passionate about with them. It's like exciting that they got LeBron. I'm, I'm, you know, like LeBron and AD are exciting. The rest of the team, like it could have been exciting, but they, they built a roster full of it's either win or nothing. They let Alex Caruso go, who is the one, like, real heart player of the team, rather than pay him and keep him. Um, they have another, like, younger guy this year that I, I kind of hope turns into that. But, uh, uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, sports are all over the place. But, like, it kind of with anything, it's, it just, you, you decide how you want to be passionate about it. And if you're like a, this is my team guy, good or bad, you just find the, you know, the, the best things to look for with them. And, you know. If you're a, I like this player guy, cool. And it's kind of like that with anything, too. But, yeah, I don't know. Sports cracked me up. Um, yeah, it's funny. Everything you say about the Lakers is the opposite of that is why I'm an Oakland A's fan. Because uh-huh. I became a big fan of the Oakland A's back in, like, 2002, 2003. Those early Billy Bean Moneyball years where yeah. they had, like, the 20-game the winning streak. And um, they were making the playoffs every year and very unexpectedly because they didn't really have a lot of star players. And like one of the jokes is that they were like the farm league for the rest of <laughs> the uh, the league. Um, but it it always seemed like they were a team where when they were winning, it was because it was a team effort. Yeah, They didn't have the big stars 
that were pushing them to success. Yeah. It was just like everybody helping out and um, pinching in and doing their part to get there as a team uh, rather than anything else. And that's one of the things that I really liked about the A's and that's why I became a fan. And now I'm just, you know, I can't be bothered to become a fan of another team. So I just stay a fan of the A's. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, um, like with, with all the teams that I follow, like hockey, I, I kind of keep track, but I, I just don't have the, the, uh, attention span to keep up truly with all, all the sports right now. Um, and hockey is kind of the newest addition. Uh, but Lakers, I just said how I feel about them. Like there's, there's no joy unless they win. So it's like, I'm, I'm not even really paying that close of attention. There's no, like LeBron's near the end of his career. Anthony Davis is healthy and injured all the time. Like his back and forth, but there's nobody else to really be passionate about on that team. So whatever, if they get to the playoffs, that's when I'll really pay attention. The Dodgers, even though they obviously spend the money on the high-end talent, one of the best things about them is that their farm team has been really good, and a lot of the Dodgers' stars are homegrown players. So seeing guys come up and do really good, and even like this year, you know, we lost to the Braves, and the Braves wanted to win the World Series. Jock Peterson was on the Braves. He started with the Dodgers. It's cool to see like those guys that like I got to root for Jock Peterson win a World Series with the Dodgers last year. And you know, this year they didn't make it, but uh, you know I got to enjoy him winning it with another team. Still, uh, Red Sox have two former Dodgers players, so I was rooting for them, and then they fell short to those evil bastard Astros. Um, but so it's, the Dodgers are an interesting mix because they they can afford to do things like get Mookie Betts, but um, but like so many of the players like have that heart, and they really play like a team like that too. Um, and then the Forty Niners. Uh, they, I think, really embody that we win as a team thing. And they've they've struggled. Like, in the years I've been... Like, this current regime, they've gotten to the Super Bowl once, and every other year they basically underperformed. Uh, and there's been a lot of, like, injury problems, stuff like that. But they have some of the best players in football. But when you hear them talk, like, the way they talk about each other and how they play the game, it's like when they do well, it's really exciting. And if they fall short, it's not just a ah, screw these guys thing. You know, it's... It, uh, it definitely feels a lot better. That's why I love George Kittle, though. He's, you know, usually, especially football, like you, the, you, the players that are offensively productive are the ones that like are the biggest names and have the, you know, the biggest fan bases, right? You know, because it's all about like, it's more exciting to see a touchdown than to see a nice tackle, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But George Kittle, like he's the, um, he, offensively, he's one of the best tight ends in the league, league, but he's the best tight end in the league because every aspect of his position he's great at and it's about making his team win and making them the best and when you talk to him like you see a post-game interview with him he's usually talking about how proud he is of a block that he made rather than a big play that he made in the game and like making a block is all about making your team better not making yourself better so yeah like i Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree with what you say. Like that's when it's the most fun is like when you see guys pouring their heart into it. And even if they fall short, you can get so much joy out of that. The downside of it, and this is something that um, the the A's have said is th- their whole strategy is they have a strategy that is fantastic at getting them to playoffs, but terrible at winning playoffs. <laughs> and, and that was very repeatedly heart, heartbreaking. <laughs> um, 
when I was going to tons of A's fans is just, it seemed like every year we would make the playoffs and then just fall apart in those playoff games and, and never advance. Yeah. Baseball is a hard sport for that too, because like you really have to be healthy and clicking in the playoffs. And I mean, you know, a lot of times uh, it's not the most dominant team through the season that wins it because they just, they, they pull their pieces together the best at the end. Yeah. It is kind of a weird system because there's so many baseball games in a season that it, the people who make the playoffs, it's really the teams that are doing the best average performance, even despite all these ups and downs, because there's always going to be natural ups and downs, right? To like any type of performance like that. So the more games there are, the more that gets smoothed out. But then the playoffs are this do or die scenario. It's kind of in a lot of ways, the opposite of football where there's so few games relatively per season that each performance is really has a huge impact on you know the overall performance in the season and you know it's funny i was talking to my dad about um like the 49ers this year they they're they're in a good position to make the playoffs but there's no reason for me to have like high hopes of them having a super bowl run there's too many issues with health and stuff like that and whatever you know a lot of missing players but my dad was watching on ESPN plus they have a documentary about Tom Brady. It's like a documentary series, kind of like they did the Jordan one recently. And he was watching that and we were talking about it a little bit. And the Patriots lost twice to the giants in the super bowl. And I'm pretty sure I know one of the years, the giants barely, barely backpedaled into the playoffs and got the last wild card spot. So they, they wanted the playoffs like they're garbage. They're not going to do anything. And they won the super bowl being in the right place at the right time and then like playing as a team playing with that heart and all that kind of stuff you never know what's going to happen in any sport so like with the 49ers this year if we make it in the playoffs who knows i mean we lost a tough game on thursday which kind of sucked but before that we had won five out of six and got ourselves back into the playoffs when at the beginning of the year it looked like we were going to be a joke again so yeah sports yeah sports action figures hey sounds fun All right. Well, I think that this is a good place to wrap up this one, huh? It is. I'm going to go try to buy some action figures. Awesome. Sports players in wrestling rings. Cool. All right. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. If you get that wrestling ring, I want to see them all set up in a a Royal Rumble or something like that. When I was a kid, so I, I, as a kid, once I got a little bit older and started getting into wrestling, like I shifted from Ninja Turtles being my primary thing to wrestling and I still remember getting my first three wrestling figures for two bucks a piece at Walmart. And I talked my dad because my dad said I had, could spend five bucks on a toy. I talked him into six because if I got two figures, I could only do one match. If I got three, now I could do at least three different matches. Um, mm-hmm. So I talked him into that. Uh, and eventually, like I kept on it, it was not easy to find wrestling toys when I was a kid. And over time, I accumulated a good number of wrestling figures. I ended up with over 30 at the end. And um, and I had a wrestling ring. And doing a Royal Rumble is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, we would do a Royal Rumble. I never had action uh, wrestling figures, but I had friends that did. And we would... He had the wrestling ring. And he had probably 20 of those figures. 
and we put them all in the ring and then we just shake it and that was our royal rumble <laughs> and we just shake it and they would start flying out until there's only one left and that's how we did our royal rumble <laughs> awesome yeah all right well good talking to you now we can go yeah, play with our new indeed. toys yeah that's all i got find us on twitter i'm at bad deacon and my friend paul here is at who's paul and that's where we kind of blither about stuff and if you're listening to this you know where to find more so go and find more all right that's all i got talk to you next time paul later later